What exactly is overachieving H2O? I mean, it's marketing. <laughs> hmm. I don't understand marketing. Yeah. Well. Welcome to the Video Reformation Podcast. I'm Ben Oliver. I'm Justin Plant. We're the co-founders of Storyboard Media and your guides to practicing effective video for business. We're like the M to your James Bond. How have we not used that one already? Wow. Yeah. It's literally the last one on my list, so... Okay. I don't know where we go after this. I think we're done. <laughs> I think we're done here. We've exhausted the hero yep. and the... The hero and the, and the, the guide, guide. The mentor. On today's episode of the Video Reformation Podcast... Sorghum. Sure. <laughs> we're discussing sorghum. Uh, tell me about I'm your still sweaty Saturday balls. Night, Saturday Night Live. Yeah, frame of mind. Um, <clears throat> we are going to be talking about one of our... Dearest. Greatest hits? One of our more popular... <laughs> oh, yeah. Greatest hits, uh, yeah. Dearest clients. Um, we're going to be talking about the Contract Town video, Meet Joe, Fuck Joe. A video that has done more for us than it has for them. <laughs> yes. In fact, uh, anybody who gets our totally non-automated... Uh, Real human sales emails. emails from our staff of BDRs who are constantly sending emails out most people's first impression of us as a company is the contract out video that we made before we go too much further i understand that this episode we have a a new sponsor a new sponsor a new totally real not at all fake sponsor do you ever uh, feel like we should switch up the format of this thing i feel all kinds of things <laughs> <laughs> about this podcast fair enough um that is one of the things i feel okay uh the sponsor this week is Link Out. Link Out. All right. Well, I look forward to We could almost just create new podcast episodes from just editing together little like half sentences from all oh, of the sure. other emails. Yeah, put it in an made. AI thing. Oh, yeah. Put it in an AI, break it up, reformat yep. it. Yep. In fact, how do you know that this isn't a deep fake? So they did it for Val Kilmer and Anthony Bourdain. Yeah. Like, voiceovers for their own mm -hmm. posthumous autobiographies. Yes, yes. And we don't have that kind of budget here. <laughs> so what we're going to do is we're going to attempt, we're going to have a reminiscing style conversation that has only been moderately prepared where we probably come up with things that we remember about doing. It, it's basically a behind the scenes making of deconstructing how we got to the Contract Hound video. In chronological it, order. Sure, Perhaps, that perhaps. seems like an expectation <laughs> that I'm not sure I can abide by. Um, perhaps we should go ahead and give the audience an opportunity to watch mm -hmm. the quiet. Contract Hound video. Um, so let's go ahead and insert it right uh, Roll here. Tape. Meet Joe. Fuck Joe. Hey. Meet Catherine. She's the worst. What? Meet Chaz. Hold on. Chaz sucks. It's true. Now meet Chloe. Chloe is a delight, an absolute pleasure to be around. She manages the company's contracts and has to deal with Joe, Catherine, Chaz, and dozens of others that are as shitty as they are. So how does Chloe manage it all? I use Contract Hound. Chloe can easily access everything she needs to know about a contract in Contract Hound's sleek user interface. She doesn't have to worry about confusing customizations and overwhelming options because Contract Hound focuses on the features that help her the most, like setting up approval workflows, creating custom alerts and reminders, 
and organizing contracts her way. And since pricing is based on the number of contracts instead of the number of users, Chloe can get everyone on board and keep things affordable. And that makes Joe happy. Yes, it does. Shut up, Joe. Contract Hound, helping you simplify contract management. Well, I think that's hilarious. It was pretty good. It was good. It was fun. I think a lot of the credit goes to our client. They gave us, our two stakeholders primarily, gave us quite a bit of leeway uh, to do what we thought was best for them. Uh, But a lot of that started with one of our very earliest springboards. We actually did a strategic engagement with them. Should we start there or should we start even before then when we... Because we had worked with Jordan yeah. on a couple projects prior. Uh, so, yeah, he's a repeat client. I think basically every venture he starts is just Totes so that he out. can make videos with us, I believe. Because then yeah. He's the best yeah. kind of serial entrepreneur in that he's a serial entrepreneur repeat client. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, with uh, decent budgets. Yes, so. yes, with each Good budget. He comes from money. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Contract Hound was... Um, a startup that was being developed to kind of go after SMBs uh, and kind of provide a digital contract management software um, because there were big enterprise solutions, Mm -hmm. uh, but there was really nothing there for those smaller and mid-sized businesses. They saw... As I recall, they saw a big gap in the market and an opportunity for somebody to come in and make a very um, flexible and accessible uh, contract management. The, the Moonlighting software. CEO, uh, yeah, he, he carried on with his full-time job but uh, was brought on as CEO because I think it was part of their, like maybe on a round of golf or something, realized that there's an opportunity. Um, so Jordan became COO. Uh, Brandon CEO, uh, and then I think they had one other employee. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was it was the sales department. Yeah, uh, this one I can't remember his name, but uh, Don and Charlotte. We ha- we started with those with those three as our stakeholders for this conversation. Right, and and this was um, they were kind of in, as I recall, they were kind of in a beta or just coming out of their beta. They had a kind of trial client or a couple trial clients mm-hmm. that they had kind of developed their program with, and they felt like it was ready to go public. And it was one of those opportunities where somebody came to us and said, we know video needs to be a part of this rollout, but we don't know exactly what we need to do, mm-hmm. um, which, of course, is what we want to hear from most of our prospects. It's like... Just admit it. We, you don't know just, what. You're just, <laughs> just, just admit it. You don't know, and that you're willing to let the experts. You don't know everything. You. you know a lot about your company. We know a lot about video. Let's put our heads together. That's where our best work comes from. Yes. First thing we had to do was focus our attention a little bit. So, so a couple things that we had to make some decisions on was: uh, did we want to apply video to inbound efforts or outbound efforts? Define those inbound outbound. So the outbound, I believe, was an email campaign. The outbound was was pushing was an email campaign because they had, if I recall correctly, they had bought a bunch of leads. Mm -hmm. Um, They weren't using uh, a service that was actually doing anything with those leads. They had just purchased those leads. Um, 
So they had an opportunity to target people who they thought were in the in the right roles. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was, of course, this kind of longer term kind of, you know, content thought leadership based opportunity where they could start inserting themselves. I think they had also done Captera. I think they mm-hmm. paid to, to be featured on Captera. Mm-hmm. For us, and with them in the early stages, I think we had to think about what was going to have the, the quickest impact. Mm-hmm. And and certainly in this scenario and, and in a lot of these similar scenarios, if you've got those leads, those targets, uh, taking that kind of ABM approach and proactively going after them instead of like, letting them come to you over time i you really need to do both Mm -hmm. but because it was about you know uh quick impact and kind of getting them past these you know innovators and into like early adopters Mm -hmm. at least uh it needed to be about because it was a very intuitive software um and they just needed people to give it a chance yep so in addition to the inbound outbound part we had identified during our stakeholder conversations that the two biggest opportunities were, uh, or the two biggest obstacles in their funnel were converting trial customers to paid customers. Mm -hmm. And then of course the just getting more people to try. Yeah. Top of funnel or bottom of funnel. Yeah. I, I seem to recall that part of our logic. So we wanted to, we felt like we, could again have the greater impact. I think I would rethink this now, to be honest. We decided to focus on getting more people into the funnel and becoming trial users. Mm -hmm. But I do distinctly remember, because they gave us a demo account, they gave us Mm -hmm. a free trial. And we dug around in it, and one of the big opportunities that we found that I believe ended up becoming kind of a phase two uh, recommendation was to add video to the trial walkthrough. Yep. Because the trial itself um, wasn't very guided. Right. Well, yeah, so they had brought on a software like Pendo. I think it was Pendo. I think it was Pendo, yeah. And, uh, and, and which had the opportunity to embed video as a way to walk through it, mm-hmm. at least on browser or something, yeah. something. So it felt like there was a solution in the works there. So, again, instead of focusing on helping them convert trial users to paying customers, we wanted to put the energy of video toward getting more people to become trial customers. Mm -hmm. And then there was, uh, in any emerging market, there was the question of whether you have to convince people to use a solution like yours, or are you going after people who are already using we're already aware that there are solutions and you're just trying to convince them why to use yours. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have to sell a prospect once or twice? I right? think their prospects were aware of the problem, but didn't know that there was a solution. Right. Or, or and I think they also, because I think part of the leads list was based on technology. I think part of their leads list had been pulled from people who were using companies of a certain size who mm. were using a, a different platform. We did make the recommendation and did follow that that we didn't feel like we needed to sell the idea of a contract management software. Mm-hmm. We needed to sell Contract Hound as the right contract management software yep. for that prospect. And I do think, like in most strategic engagements, that gave us a sense of how we wanted to talk to our audience mm-hmm. also. Essentially, the roadmap was was kind of three tiers of of content. 
but there was just like one video in phase one and it was basically why contract count and that needed to be the thing that their salesperson could send out that could be on a youtube ad that could be on their website that could be it was it was that one video that said we are a thing and this is the thing that we do but these are the people who we help mm-hmm. um we hadn't even gotten to the creative concept at that point we just knew that that having nothing they needed something that said here's what we do and here's who we do it for which is the essence of a strategic concept yes and then distribution, you know, plans as to how it's it also would be basic laid positioning. Out. Sure, yeah, yeah. Here's what we do and and who we do it for. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, it is very much from the strategic concept. It's it's here's who we're speaking to, what we want them to do, um, and uh, and yeah. So I I then there was phase two and phase three content that was more of that longer term kind of inbound thought leadership type stuff that we felt like Onboarding, there was an opportunity others, for. Yeah. There was a whole, yeah, I think then phase three kind of ended up being once you get on board with Pendo, let's leverage that video functionality. I'm still waiting for that call <laughs> from them uh, on this. So Check your messages. Um, yeah, I haven't checked my messages in four years. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe they're... I probably haven't checked my messages in four years. <laughs> Didn't we roll our creative treatment into the springboard as well. So that Apparently was part not. of this one. Oh, really? It was a separate. Uh, there are two different decks. Uh, oh, okay. The creative treatments were part of the kickoff. Oh, okay. Cool. Um, so they had committed a budget to achieving that strategic concept. And then our job was then from there rebuilt. Probably because they had a very fixed budget. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I believe they were very upfront with how fixed that budget was and yeah. where it was fixed. And that's something that we try to do with the roadmaps, too, is is here are the opportunities for video, even if we know that whatever resources you have, budget, people, time, whatever, are restricted. Um, that helps us prioritize. Mm-hmm. We're not going to eliminate opportunities. So we, we were still able to present a long-term roadmap of potential video content for them that would help them ramp up and bring on new customers. Um but because they were so transparent with us about the budget resources, we knew exactly what to prioritize, and then we knew what to pitch creatively that could be achieved with that budget, mm-hmm. which is kind of the textbook way that we would like for sure. <laughs> all of these yeah. in, in engagements. And a lot go. of them do, but yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, so after we had pitched the roadmap, um, we kicked off the production part and in the production kickoff, uh, we pitched three concepts. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what the other two were, which is a shame because well, <laughs> tell them the titles. The the <laughs> because that's all we had on the slide, right? It was just right. like a, a headline or a word. The only thing on the slide was just like the name of the concept. So option two was so option one was of course meet Joe fuck, fuck Joe. Joe. Option two was. I want to say control from chaos. Mm, that would make sense. It wasn't order out of chaos because that's kind of the idiomatic phrase, but it was like control, controlling chaos or something mm-hmm. like that. I vaguely remember that being a very um, complex, multiple setups and moving yes. left to right yep. 
throughout the scenes, throughout the pe- – I don't know how we were going to do that with the budget that they had told us that they had. I don't know how we did it for the budget that they told us. That's true. <laughs> and then the third concept was titled Dog dot dot dot. Yeah. I have no recollection of that concept, and I wish I did, but all I could find in Drive was the deck. I should have called him. There are no speaker notes. <laughs> There's – Nothing in there. Um, I do remember that. And this would have been, honestly, this was probably 2016. That was four years ago was the production. Was it? Yeah. So what year is it? 18, 17, 18, somewhere around So 17, 18. Um, I do remember in the Control from Chaos one, I do remember having some like drawings in my little moleskin notebook Mm -hmm. that I was showing them when we were pitching it. Mm -hmm. And I probably still have that moleskin notebook somewhere. Um, But I cannot for the life of me come up with what dog was as a concept. As you can imagine, a dog was their mascot uh, of the hound variety. Uh, That is very true. That is very true. So that's the only connection I can draw. And people love dogs. So like maybe that was it. Just like dogs and contracts. (gasps) Oh. Was it putting contracts out on the floor for a puppy to pee on? Sure. All right. Maybe we should repitch that. Maybe Maybe there's a reason they didn't buy it. <laughs> uh, anyway, so. Um, Back to Meet Joe, Fuck Joe. Meet Joe, Fuck Joe. I, I think one of the key things, so uh, they, uh, it, was, it was a no-brainer. I don't even know that we wanted to pitch the other two. It was we really wanted to do Meet Joe, Fuck Joe, and I think that comes through in a pitch. <laughs> When you've yeah. got one idea that you really like, that well, it, so yes, this is about four or five years ago when video was starting to take off. Everybody had those generic cartoon, like ukulele soundtrack, yeah, with little claps. Uh, God, you don't see a lot anymore, thankfully, but they're still out there. Anyhow, meet Sarah. Yeah, it's meet Sarah. Sarah Sarah's is a, a whatever at a bunk company. Sarah doesn't know or whatever. Like I think they're trying to go go off of that, um, that that Disney outline of first there, you know there was this, then this happened, but he didn't know whatever. Sure, but but everybody was point. doing it. It was getting really fucking annoying. Yes, and so we we every time we saw one of those, we would like all we wanted to make was a fuck this guy. Have we done a podcast episode where it's just shit that we loathe? Ooh, no. It needs to be called Shit We Loathe. Yes. Yes. Somebody make a note. Um, Good one. Because that would be on there. We need alcohol for that one. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, that's how we should go out. <laughs> Total rager. That, that's our last episode, planned or not. <laughs> it just is forced to become the end of this podcast. Um, yes. So we very, um, for our regular listeners and viewers um you may already have a sense that that justin and i both like to be a little bit contrarian so i think that was what motivated us so much is that we got a chance to um you know rip into that just kind of lazy creative of Mm -hmm. meet joe but there's also this it was such an interesting time in in corporate video corporate marketing video web video it was still such a, a new-ish frontier that people were actually, and brands were actually experimenting with things. 
and it had become so prevalent that now there was just a lot of noise. And I, and it's still true that you need mm-hmm. a good hook for something that's going to be widely broadcast, right? You got to get somebody's attention. But one of the other things about Meet Joe, Fuck Joe is is it's that it, it's several things. It's pattern interrupting. It's a hook. Um, it's a, a brand on its third word saying this is something very important about our brand. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's important to note that the video itself actually does bleep out the word fuck. Most of it. <laughs> Most of it. Because I do believe while editing it, I left the F and the K sounds <laughs> there. So you get enough that you know what it is, but it's all. And that was part of maybe we'll get to this a little bit later in writing it, or maybe now's the time now. to get to it. Um, that kind of that level of comedic tolerance and risk tolerance. Mm-hmm. We talk about it all the time as as wanting to push the envelope and go a little bit too far and have our clients bring us back in. So we actually had written in the script, "Meet Joe, fuck Joe," um, and the uh, bleeping the up uh part of fuck was basically the compromise. I think there's a version where you subtitled fuck. <laughs> you bleep it out, but then you subtitle. I know I did that for one of our sales. Oh, videos. maybe I'm okay. Maybe um, mix that up. That was also very fun. We got the VO recorded as meet Joe, fuck Joe. And, uh, I believe the first cut had no bleep in it. Um, with the intention of, of them actually being able to see it and hear it with, um, with the, the F word, but the bleeping just kind of, it provides, there were so many options cause it wasn't just leave it in or take it out. Mm-hmm. It wasn't bleep it or don't because there's this like in between bleep where it's just a bleep for bleep's sake. Bleeps are kind of funny. Yes. So it just in four words, I, I, I feel like I feel like I'm justifying why it won an award or something. Like I feel like I'm patting ourselves on the back a little bit too much, but looking back on it, it was kind of brilliant that in like four words we could say establish so a brand, um, speak to the state of the industry, grab attention, grab attention, I, you know, uh, pattern interrupt. All of those things, and then uh, there's another element to it where it's a voiceover, mm-hmm. but you've also it's that kind of like all of the characters were aware of the voiceover because he immediately reacts to all three of them react to the shit that we're talking about mm-hmm. them. Now, if it isn't clear, the people who we're talking shit about are the people that during the springboard we discovered were all of the people who our hero, the contract manager, has to interface The concept, yeah. So the concept is we've got a hero, Megan or something. Yeah. And she has to deal with marketing, sales, CEOs, CFOs, whatever. Vendors. Vendors. Uh, There's dozens of people that contract managers or project managers have to deal with. And so that was our point is to like bring them into uh, kind of create that over your shoulder, like feeling of, uh, I can imagine as Megan having all these people kind of, 
just sticking their hands in stuff. Like, can you imagine if you're trying to bake a cake and you're doing something gently and then someone's like, ah, three eggs. Ah. And like that was, that was, it was meant to give them, the viewer, that kind of feeling of like, all these people just stop. Let me manage this. And, and I think um, we all have people at work that we hate, right? No? Nope. We don't? Not here. Michael? I like me. <laughs> See? Um, okay. Well, I go through life thinking that we all have people at work that we hate. It, it helped elevate our, was it Megan? I think it was Megan. We just, we all just watched it. Was it meet, meet Joe, Megan. meet, was it Megan? I think it's Megan. Should we watch it? So it was Chloe. Yeah, like you were saying all along, yeah. it was Chloe. Um, we'll just dub over Chloe with it. Say Chloe a few times. Chloe, Chloe, Chloe. There you go. So we elevate that hero by giving them, you know, by highlighting the people who are who are the the antagonists. Sure. But we're also at the same time saying to our audience, we feel your pain. Mm-hmm. Like we understand you. We know the shit that you have to put up with. And um, it's really important for brands, especially new brands, to say, I get you. Mm-hmm. Um, I understand. I, I don't just have a solution for having a solution sake. I have a solution because I understand that there's a Your pain. pain. Yep. Um, and and again, it just it just very quickly and very subtly, but very distinctly says you are the hero. You are the main character in your life. These are all of the people who are trying to make your life difficult. We have a solution that even though those people won't change, we have a solution that can help you manage all of that and keep those people off your mm-hmm. back. And there's just something uh, something kind of elegant about how the, the script does that in its first 15 seconds, mm-hmm. even. The client loved the, you know, every step along the way from the concept to the script to like the casting choices. Oh, I, I actually have something more to talk about um, in terms of the, the risk tolerance. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I remember about writing the script is that we had multiple alternate line versions that were, again, I feel like it was a compromise to say, while we're on set, let us film the fuck version, but let us film the meet Joe Joe's terrible at Joe his sucks. job. Yeah. Joe sucks. Joe, we had like three or four different versions that were in the script, and I believe that we shot as kind of that compromise. Um, and if we had conceded the point and just shot Joe sucks, mm-hmm. we wouldn't have had the opportunity to cut together something and actually play it and 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 give it that kind of, you know what, this is the right way to go on this. And there were not only for that intro sequence where we're talking about how how shitty Joe, Catherine, and Chaz are, uh, but just throughout, throughout, the, oh my God, and then the VO session. That was so much fun. Because we had so much flexibility. So I believe his name is Dave Pettit. And Dave has done VO, I think he's out of Arizona. He has done VOs for national campaigns. I think it was probably Voices.com where we found him. Mm-hmm. But that was probably the highlight of his year. 
he he had so much fun. He had so much fun. It's probably the ve- best VO session I've ever been a part of. Once we gave him the green light, that's what I meant to look for earlier. Somewhere the we full have recording. the full recording. Sure. And the the stuff that he ad-libbed, like at the end, shut up, Joe, you fucking stupid piece of useless shit. And, oh, man, some of those cuts. In his, <laughs> in that voice, and he just rolled... I know we it was a it was a phone directed session and I know we were on mute but just not wanting to laugh out loud because you didn't want to miss the next mm-hmm. word that came out of his mouth. I think it was like a therapy session for him. Oh my like god! Like fighting a pillow. So yeah, it was so fun. Yeah, I hope we can find that and insert it in here too. Shut your fucking face, Joe! Jesus, shut up, okay? But yeah, I you know and and structuring the script in the way and structuring the shoot in a way where we had different risk levels of options just helped us had whatever version we wanted to end up with in the final cut. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you got to plan for that. Um, and, and I think, you know, like in that VO session, planning for exactly what we needed to capture gave us the opportunity to have fun with it and be kind of spontaneous uh, with it. Is it time to hear from our sponsor? I think so. We're all doing our best to build a network, a personal brand. Maybe you're building a following to elevate your side hustle. Uh, you're probably thinking of at least three people right now. You know, we've all been there. Did you have an early morning insight during your run and think that someone would actually care? Link out. Are you about to post a nine-paragraph lesson that you picked up from watching your preschool child pick her nose in the middle of snack time? Link out. Have you just been let go from your job after missing quota for three straight quarters, and now you're trying to spin it as a blessing to the public and get all preachy about sales, but really you're just trying to let your network know that you're open for your next opportunity? You, my friend, need Linkout. Linkout is built on a bullshit-detecting AI platform that cuts through your bullshit and tells you when you're about to slip in some bullshit. Download the free Linkout Chrome extension today before it's too late. And I've already recommended that to a couple folks I know. Do you use it yourself? No, I don't really post on LinkedIn. Hmm. Does it just give you a warning or does it like you click post and it's like, no, I'm not going to let you post this. Does it translate it into what you really mean? There's a couple different tolerance settings. So what I, what I Premium found- Premium features? Uh, perhaps. Um, what I found is pretty nice is like it puts it in a, like a four-hour holding pattern and then comes back and says, did you really want to post this? Or like, did you uh, mean that's cringy? Yeah, mm, maybe not. Yeah, or does it like post the same copy but on someone else's profile for you to view? And when you react to it, like, oh, what bullshit! You're like, wait Sarah. a minute, that's what I wrote. No, but do that not pretty post. Interesting. Or well, like close friends only. Or exclude close friend. <laughs> exclude the people who actually know me and understand. For, this. Yeah, first rate contacts. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for our new sponsor, Linkout. Do you want to talk about the productions? Like yeah. The, I was going to ask you if itself. you recall who was on the crew. It was a relatively small crew, wasn't it? It was a very small crew, uh, given the limited budget. I know we had Tucker as DP. Mm-hmm. We shot a I want to say, right? I, I, shot at Trailblazer. Um, with an infinity white kind of background, as you obviously you saw. Um, I think it might have been Matt Head. 
as Gaffer because Brian had done a couple things there with us, mm-hmm. but I don't think he was on that one. Maybe Brian did um, convince your boss. Anyway. Um, so I think Matt, it was Matt and then it was... Probably Aaron for audio. Aaron for audio. Um, and I imagine Jim, if we had... If we known Jim for grip, I don't. I don't even know that. That's a pretty small crew. Yeah, for that, six or seven people on crew, including director, yeah, uh, producer. The Joe character, he just very nice guy, mm-hmm. uh, very cool on set, fun guy, very approachable. But he just had this look about him where he's just a little bit too polished and a little bit too self involved. Mm-hmm. Um. And he was perfect for that. We had worked with Catherine on something else. A couple else, times, yeah. Right? Um, so I think Catherine popped into our heads immediately. She was funny like uh, when we weren't rolling it was on other projects, she, but she was just funny just to hang yeah. out with. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, oh, yeah. I think I know. At the end of the shoot day, just just one of the, the countless – totally innocent foot in your mouth statements that you've made mm-hmm. over the years. Um, Catherine had packed up all of her wardrobe. She was saying goodbyes as everybody was, was packing up and Justin calls from across the, the soundstage floor. It's like, Hey, great working with you. Thanks. You know, good to see you again. Uh, you did a great job. You were a natural being a total bitch <laughs> and everyone. And you didn't hear it. You didn't I just, hear I it. was complimenting her and just safe travels back to Charlotte. You're natural as a bit like, you're just great job being a bitch. That looked easy for you. And like the whole room just stopped. And she, and she like kind of looked around and, and you just kept going on your way. And it was, yeah, that was, that was fun. Chaz, I remember we wrote in that name because it's just one of those broy, broy names. Yeah. Um, God, yeah, he just auditioned for something recently too. You uh, follow him again. on Instagram or something? I don't. Um, but yeah, oh, he's for us. He, he auditioned. Yeah, he auditioned for us uh, for something. Um, and yeah, I mean, he was. They all had so much fun with it. Let's talk about Megan and her southern accent. Oh yeah, we spent. If there was one line we recorded, dozens and dozens and dozens of times. Contract hand. Yeah, Megan had a very, very southern accent. And and she was she did a pretty good job of, of She's just as sweet as she comes across in the video. Yes. She she had a she did a great job of neutralizing it except on the ow sound of hound. Mm-hmm. Contract hound. Hound. <laughs> and and that was s- another thing where she just couldn't hear it. And you were going over and over again. Contract hound. Contract hound. We <laughs> contract yeah. hound. Contract hound. We spent lunch doing that. We spent And uh, it was it, it it wasn't antagonistic. It wasn't She was trying I, I so mean, hard. She was trying so hard and we were it was but and I think all of that goes to uh again, patting ourselves on the back. We go so, we, we try so hard to make sets a very loose, fun experience. We play music, you know, we're joking around so that when we are rolling like it just feels like a very loose, creative, you know, environment, mm-hmm. and, and nobody's like. I mean, it's it's hard to turn that switch off and on. So you might as well, especially for something like this, if everybody's having fun and smiling and laughing, once you say action, 
I don't know. It's just everybody feels more comfortable. So it wasn't antagonistic at all. It was a quick shoot day because we only had a, like two or three setups. We had the close-ups. We had the wides and mediums. Uh, and then I think that dolly-in movement, and that was pretty mm-hmm. much it. Because we knew we were going to spend a decent amount of time showing the platform, which is what right. we needed to do to show maybe, th- I think it was three features yep. that people we knew that audience wanted and that solved their problems. Right, that that goes back to making the decision to sell Y Contract Hound and to know that we wanted to talk to the people whose job it was day in and day out managing those things. But it made it very easy for us to say, what are the three most important features for? Or what are the three differentiators? I think mm-hmm. is actually more of what it was. What are the three differentiators that are most yep. important to this kind of mid-level? Right, because a lot of these people, when you think about the buying process too, the Chloe's aren't the ones who who necessarily can make that business decision, but they're the ones who are going to say to their boss, hey, I found a new tool that I'd like to try because it can help me do this, Mm -hmm. this, and this. The decision to go after that champion and advocate level person, that end user, as opposed to the person who can actually make the buying decision, was also designed to just kind of get that, at the very least, let's try the free trial. Mm Mm-hmm. They could probably try the free trial without permission, and if they spent two weeks in it and really liked it, mm-hmm. or 30 days or whatever mm-hmm. it is, makes it that much easier for them to go to their boss and say, hey, I've been trying yeah. out this platform. I really want to you know, invest in this. And the flexible pricing, because they knew they were going after those SMBs, um, and they knew that was that there was that gap in the market, they had decided to do kind of a flexible, a different pricing model than all of their competitors were doing. So it it was going to allow those users to have a different conversation with the the buyers ultimately. It was about as simple as it gets. We had a lot of constraints, so that made it pretty easy for us. It was pretty well written from a from a shoot prep standpoint. We knew exactly which shots we needed. We didn't need a whole. I mean, it was one camera. We didn't need a whole lot of coverage. For multiple angles because it was really just kind of interacting with the camera uh along and acting alongside this vo yeah a lot so, of times we choose when we choose this infinity whites because it helps with set design <laughs> sure sure art art department yeah all we had to do is buy a dog in a desk yeah and a we, white white desktop or white a white monitor monitor yeah we did spend, in watching it again, we did spend more time on the screenshots and the features than I remember when I think about the video abstractly mm-hmm. four years later or whatever. Um, but I do think it was a nice balance of, you know, saying this is who we are as a brand. We've gotten your attention. This is the person who's the hero. This is the person we understand. Here's what the solution yep. actually looks like. So what would you charge? today to do that project for someone else i get that question a lot especially because we use it in our outreach that's why i asked sometimes i price the client if i'm talking to an sure. enterprise client but yeah um i like from a what do you mean price client real quick for those who don't know the term a video like that can do a lot a lot for a company that has like an enterprise company and so the value for that company to have that video is much higher than it is for Contract Town to have that video. Um, so I might, yeah. I mean, I would probably charge <clears throat> maybe 50, 60 grand for a, a bigger company, probably around 35 for a, uh, a mid-sized company. So 50, 60 for a mid-sized company and 100 plus for a 
large enterprise. Is that, I, is that what I heard? <laughs> that's what you like to hear. This probably is what you heard. Yes, that, that is what I heard. That's what I wanted to hear. What would you have done differently? I would have made some promos. I don't think we were um, at the point where we where we knew to promote the video that we were being contracted to make. I think that came a little bit later. Um, so I would definitely take advantage of that shoot day and build more of a world around those characters mm-hmm. and create some teasers to drive audiences to that video. What about you? I didn't like the way the titles turned out in the opening. Oh, yeah. That, that was uh, that was not really thought of that we we would want. What are we going to do here? Is this a freeze frame? We knew it was a tight shot right. to introduce the character. I think, I think originally there was a... Um, like a stamp effect on a freeze frame, uh, you know, on a mm-hmm. pound sound, and that that didn't work. It must not have. I just think it became difficult to read. Yeah, the animation part of it. I mean, we were dealing with a very small budget, and I think you edited. You even did the motion graphics on that one. Yeah, the titles. Yeah, yeah. So that hurts when you say that. Oh, <laughs> sorry. Did you like them? No. Um, no, but at that point it was, uh, even with that kind of smaller project, you just, I mean, having, having, you know, done the strategic engagement, pitched the creative, directed the shoot, written the script, uh, you know, all those, you just, got to handle. it's a lot for one or two people to handle. And it's just, I mean, you just get, you just get tired of projects and, and just kind of like out of ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, so it would have been nice to, to be able to hand that off to someone who could do something, um, more better. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, but you know, we knew going in and, and that's another thing too. It, I had forgotten about the kind of the stamp freeze frame thing. I think that's what we had planned on really for the shoot and then it would come back to kind of their reaction um but because we knew that we needed to um we needed the vo to just introduce their names but we needed the title we knew that we needed the titles to introduce their their job titles Mm -hmm. so that we could so that we could show that we knew who our chloe's were dealing with yep but we also had stuff in there like hates auto renewals for the Mm -hmm. for the cmo yeah I can't remember what the other ones were, but they're like I remember my wife watching it and saying like, "Oh yeah, my boss hates auto renewals." Right. Yeah. And so there was yeah. <clears throat> so we had done more than just putting a, a relatable title. Mm-hmm. It was like something that they that those contributors or whatever um, that actually related to the software. Mm-hmm. It was. I mean, it was well thought of in that regard yeah. because of the the way this was designed and written and uh the end product i really would have encouraged the the owner the stakeholder to jordan to put some money behind either targeting or retargeting mm-hmm. or audience matching or something like that because of even as a a skippable six, you know, skippable ad for thirty seconds. I just think it would have been, yeah, a fantastic. Before you can skip it, it's going to get your attention. Your attention, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I mean, I and I would have loved to have done some more, uh, some more content for them. Um, but that's part of that's part of the equation, right? A young startup like that 
is going to want to stand out and take some creative risks because there are more established people in the space. But there is that question of whether that company is sustainable mm-hmm. and so many startups fail um, that, you know, you, you tend to have to find these one-off opportunities to, to flex that muscle, mm-hmm. but know that that company may not be around in six more months. It's funny because so many companies uh, respond to our emails with love the video, literally laughed out loud, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then they won't go ahead and take the same amount of risk. They know that they love it right. and simultaneously will not take the risk. Um, it's, I don't know. I wish more companies would. I think that the world and the state of marketing would be a better place. If Do you think that is um, a risk avoidance overall from them? Or do you think that's trusting us to take the right risks for them? It's probably different depending on each client. Um, I think that a lot of times, though, they're not willing to take the risk because they'd have to answer to CMOs or or investors or whatever it is. Yeah, I, I mean that's the I mean that's kind of the definition of risk, right? I mean the yeah. riskier it is, the more of a chance it has to fail. And if you're not given the freedom to fail, uh, and and most companies do not give their employees the freedom to fail. We we had the variables where we could have softened that quite mm-hmm. a bit. And I think I think a lot of times clients think when when there's a script, that's the script. Well, right. no, David who does a lot of the writing but even as creative director insists on having alt takes, alternative right. versions of lines, uh, additional lines that we can add on, callbacks, a bunch of alts because it's a lot easier to it takes for anybody who's listening it probably takes anywhere from an uh, at least on our sets, like an hour to two hours to reset, meaning new angle, new lighting, new audio, um, new design, set design, whatever. Um, if you're set up in a camera with a camera angle, if, we'll call it a setup. It takes another minute to record three lines. Right. It takes another two hours plus that one minute to get some other version mm-hmm. of, of something else. So yeah. while you're there, you may as well record a bunch. If Contract Hound had taken off, or if Contract Hound does take off, what would you like, what else would you like to do for them? What else do you think you'd like to explore creatively, risk-wise, whatever, you know, in terms of video content? I know Jordan would trust us to do what we recommended was best, mm-hmm. um, but... I think it's that diagnosis and prescription. This is four years ago. So what they needed then right. is different from what they need now. And I think we've internally set uh, basically like a six month, maybe a year, depending on the, the company, the client or the industry, but yeah. about a six month sunset on any strategic concepts that we've proposed. Yeah. Uh, so much change. So much changes. Uh, and I think maybe the age of the company directly affects whether that's three months, six months, or 12 months because a young company is going to evolve so much over three months, whereas something more established may take a year Mm -hmm. to change. But I think the version that we send out is the version that they shared. Mm -hmm. And I don't feel like we had to make like a director's cut. And so there's something that, right, because every video creator thinks about like, well, here's the client, here's what the client approved, mm-hmm. but here's what I really wanted to do and they just didn't let me. Mm-hmm. Some makers of video are better about actually putting those things together than not, but everybody has that thought, like, oh, mm-hmm. I'm gonna do my own director's cut of this. 
we didn't have to do that. And I don't think it would be, well, one, I don't think it would get the response that it does in our efforts with it if we had pulled those punches, if we had done more of a safe version. To wit, I don't think it would be the piece that we put out there. Um, because I, I think when we had to think about what was the one piece that we wanted to share to introduce ourselves as creators um, to prospects who had never heard of us, I, I don't know. I don't know what would come in second there. I imagine we had a list when we had to make that decision, and I imagine some of the things on that list were more representative of what we thought people wanted were safer choices but that's ultimately what i like about the fact that it's what we use is because what we're saying in our first four words mm -hmm. in introducing ourselves to prospects is fuck joe well or, in, in, in that email in that outreach it does say warning there's an f-bomb which i think creates some intrigue like mm -hmm. <clears throat> look these guys are marketing themselves by Addressing four-letter words. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if if, if if you were doing, like, a YouTube pre-roll ad version of it, I might put, like, up a one-second, like, uh, red banner for a movie trailer kind of thing, like, warning explicit content mm. kind of mm. thing, just sure. in that first sentence, because then it's like, ooh, what? What do you... Oh, mm -hmm. uh, oh okay. I think it takes the right people working at the right companies to say, let's take these risks. Mm -hmm. um, but I also feel like that's why we're justified in trying to push that envelope and let them reel us back in because you never know when you might catch somebody on the day where they're like, fuck the man. Well, that was a fun trip down memory lane. Yeah. That, Needed to jostle that? our memory a couple of times. Yeah, that's okay. It was four years ago. Um, but Still fond memories. It's, you know, it's a fun... It's a fun project. It's fun. I think it's funny that it has likely generated more business for us than it has for them. Mm -hmm. um, but is that not the goal of every portfolio piece? Sure. <laughs> On to the next Contract Hound Meet Joe Fuck Joe video. All right. Thank you for watching or listening to this episode of the Video Reformation Podcast. Uh, you know, like, rate, follow. Share. Share. I heard Do we have any ratings? I heard from a drunk cousin recently that uh, our little promos end up on her feed every once in a while, and she very eloquently um, quoted that while she has absolutely no fucking clue what it is we're talking about, she likes our banter and our rapport. Okay. And, uh, yeah, see you next time on the Video Reformation Podcast.